Welcome to another edition of Eusebius on Times Live. With me this week are two of my colleagues within Arena Holdings, two of the country's most senior journalists on the investigative beat, Tandu Tolojika and Sabelo Skiti. I'm actually a little bit late for this um, recording. We're going to be talking about some of the major news stories in the current news cycle and also make good on the promise the last time we had a conversation. It is easier in South Africa to do diagnostic stuff than it is to imagine a different South Africa, let alone crafting a story of how we might get to where we'd like to get. And in the end, you often feel depressed because you're stuck in analysis paralysis about what's wrong with the country. So that's basically what we're going to do. Talk about a couple of major stories to bring you up to speed in case you've been too busy or too depressed to look at the news. And then we'll spare a little bit of time towards the end in a forward-looking manner to talk about all the issues, stepping back from the minutiae, where to from here for the country. You're listening to Eusebius on Times Live. That's this latest podcast on Times Live. And it's me, Eusebius McKaiser, exploring the major issues of the week. That means you're going to hear a lot of law, politics and ethics, how they intersect and how important these stories are in the life of all South Africans. When people saw their children must know these are sellouts. They put saliva on the paper. Mr. Julius Malema whispered and said, sing it, sing it. And then they shared that zone. No, I'm not going to apologize. Can I have my iPad, please? So they stole it. Guys, thanks so much for coming back on. And um, I really do appreciate it. Hey, man. Morning. Um, morning, Luis Sibius. The reason I'm late is that I was at the Biscop. I know it's early in the morning, but I went to watch a film called The End of Cope. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was so riveting, I, I just couldn't drag myself away from the screen. And maybe that's a good place to start. I know it's difficult as a journalist to admit you are ignorant about some things. And also members of the public and our readers and listeners who are very clever otherwise. But I would allege... I'm sounding like a cope leader making allegations that many of our listeners and many of our colleagues, some among us included potentially, didn't know two things about the news cycle. Um, firstly, that Mr. Gorbachev was still alive until it was announced that he's that actually he's dead. Gone. Yeah. 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 And <laughs> also, Mikhail. until, until the quota was suspended, I wonder how many people realized that cope still existed. <laughs> Absolutely true. Absolutely true. Uh, it's been a while that anyone actually spoke uh, about Terra Lukota or Lukota himself um, appeared anyway. Um, I mean, they've become so insignificant in the past uh, few years. Uh, they've what they are reduced to two members uh, in parliament. parliament, and then you've got the unruly one of the most unruly members of uh, of COPE uh, and the most vocal one, uh, Willie Matish. Yeah, um, you know. That's the only time you actually think about COPE. But otherwise, they've become an irrelevant party until this morning when there were fist fights. Uh, we <laughs> remembered, oh, yeah. there's COPE. 
And when you think of Wally Badisha, um, Sabelo, what comes to mind? <laughs> well, I mean, uh, what was interesting oh, to me was... I know why you're laughing. I can see your thought bubble. Was... Hong, hong, hong. <laughs> <laughs> I just needed to fix my accent. <laughs> um, but I mean, for me, it was like... And I suppose it's a lot for me what COPE represents, right? Um, if you remember how Willie Matisha left <laughs> the labor movement, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, with big claims about big money in black bags, um, you know, people being paid off. But, it, and again, it was at a particularly fractious time for for, for the organization then, um, you know. So, and for me, it always represented that thing, right? I know we haven't gotten into it, but it was like the coalition of, you know, I know people call it the coalition of the wounded. Mm. But for me, it was yes. just like a coalition of people who had lost out of their feeding trough. You know, they basically mm. needed to create another mm. way, mm. Um, you know, to either become relevant in, in South African politics or to find some way of eking out a living. And that's why it, disin- it disintegrated very quickly, um, you know, um, uh, with um, Bazima Shilowa um, having a clash with Terra Lukota. Immediately after the their elections, yep. um, in in two thousand and nine, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, yeah, it was two thousand um, two thousand eight, uh, starting two thousand nine. Um, it, it it quickly, um, you know, there was a a struggle for control of cope. It was Terra Lukota on one side and Bazima Shiloa on 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 one side, um, and from mm. there onwards, it was uh, quickly, um, you know, going south. Down, yeah. yeah. Do you, do you think we should lament the implosion of COPE or simply stop talking about them and get to the next subject in the body politic and what's going on in society? I'm kind of like torn myself. There's a part of me that thinks they're not worth being, you know, us speaking about them. And then there's another part of me that thinks the lifeblood of competitive politics in a democracy is a vibrant opposition and COPE is a disincentive for other potential entrants to have a real goal at dislodging the ANC hegemony, because COPE is an example of, of how unsuccessful you can be. You know, it's like a Hang SA. Mm. There's mm. so many parties mm. and would-be parties that stack up as examples of what not to do and what goes awry as soon as you think you're going to take the moral high ground, be the constitutionalist that left the ANC, and then lo and behold, you become ANC 2.0 with factionalism, fiefdoms, careerism, sense of incumbency. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you, you know, I actually think that we shouldn't lament the death of COPE. Um, I think, I mean, if you actually, if, if we all sort of sit and think about it, I mean, COPE was, was stillborn. You know, it was mm. dead before it was even formed. Mm. Um, purely again, because of, you know, the individuals that formed, um, you know, around... The, the the organization itself for me mm. the congress of the people represented nothing new in terms of you know south africa's body politic it wasn't a new ideology it wasn't you know even a new way of, it wasn't even a new way of doing things you know it yeah. again represented people that just fell out um with the people that were mm. at present controlling the purse strings in the ANC um and i mean of course you know it, it was sort of painted in in the shadow of Jacob Zuma and Tabombegi yeah. um you know it was seen like that um and i think for mm. me 
Tabumbegi will tell us that he loves the ANC, but I think deep down when he actually thought about it, maybe when he looked and he saw the caliber of individual um, that was in that organization, he probably saw that uh, maybe I haven't taken from the crop that I wanted in the ANC. Mm. You know, yeah. um, this is maybe part of the bottom of the barrel stuff. So, I mean, for me, mm. it, 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 they have added nothing, um, I think, to South African politics and they are, Exit will leave nothing as well. I don't think anyone will particularly. <laughs> yeah. Before we move on to the next major item, I just want your bite on that. Whether you actually agree with Sabello, the more I think about it, I think that's actually the sober view for me. How how do you see it? Should we lament them? I'm inclined now to go even a step further after listening to what what you have just said, um, and maybe say not only should we not lament the implosion of Cope, but actually we should be pissed off at Cope as Democrats who deserve energetic, vibrant opposition to hold the incumbent ANC on its toes. I, I think, I mean, uh, let's close uh, the chapter when it comes to COPE. And I agree with um, uh, yourself and Sabelo here, um, simply because they never edit um, anything um, like um, Sabelo says. For me, it was uh, a Congress of uh, people who were just who were just demanding access that they 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 potentially saw in the beginning that they were now going to to lose access to resources and uh, as pre like pre like i said previously um you know the anc itself has um, um, um has been a vehicle for politically um, um connected people um uh, 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 people yeah. close to power to have access to resources and cope was you know, um, 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 uh, part two of that. It's just unfortunate they couldn't get into um, into into government. Yeah, yeah. Speaking about tears, the tears we saw from Mr. Lakota the other day are not the only tears that are on the news. We have another crybaby who's in the news cycle, and that is Mr. Brian Molefe. Finally, we see some movement in the value chain of justice with some former executives finding themselves in the docks. And I just wonder what your guys' take is on that as investigative journalists who are on the money trail all the time and have been following this part of state capture so closely. And the two sets of a set of questions I want to frame here. How important is this news story? Or should we be cynical until there's a conviction? Because being reigned, being all before court of law is important, but it doesn't mean that the case can't collapse if the NPA doesn't have its ducks in a row. So that's one mm -hmm. part of the mm -hmm. question. The second part is to engage with our colleague at um, Business Day um, that wrote an interesting article editorially and basically said, uh, Mr. Hosanna, that is, sad to see Molef on trial, but here's why it matters. And it's kind of like a weird juxtaposition with the substance of the column, which basically laments the fall from grace of Brian Molefe and recalls his heyday, for example, this sentence, the man could walk on water when he was at the Public Investment Corporation. His move to Transnet was exciting. We applauded the progress of the torchbearer of black excellence in the public sector. So there's a question there of the significance of this story in the bigger scheme of things. And then I'm also just very curious about um, when you see an image of Brian Molefe, what comes to mind? Is it a tragic story or are you able to see it just completely dispassionately as the comeuppance of someone who allowed himself to be unsnared by the Guptas? 
Um, let's start with you, Danutolo. Uh, for me, I mean, it's a, it, uh, it was a, a tragedy uh, initially, um, you know, um, from what Kaifas is saying, you know, everyone saw him as that um, epitome of uh, uh, black excellence, right? But uh, like in any other um, 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 uh, country where um, 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 uh, bureaucrats um, allow themselves to be used by politicians um, and uh, don't learn from history that bureaucrats, business people, and many other people become the sacrificial lambs uh, when yeah. uh, the cookie crumbles in the political uh, c- uh, circles. Um, in my view, he then became a person who represented uh, an anti transformation, anti-black uh, uh, um, um, uh, progress uh, in many mm-hmm. ways. Um, first of all, it's, uh, it's it's a fact that they were now uh, bidding for a certain uh, 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 faction, um, you know, bidding for uh, a certain group of people close to, to power. Uh, you know, the processes of the country's laws were being deliberately broken for self-enrichment for certain individuals who have access to uh, to power. They then left their mandate and their responsibility to actually govern um, uh, the country and protect uh, this country uh, from um, um, corruption, looting, it, from what we've written from the onset, uh, I, I, I can't remember the year, Sabelo, yeah, when we discovered this company called Trillion. It was 2016? 16 or yeah. so, right? Thereabout. Uh, yeah. But you started seeing this huge entrenchment uh, of um, those who have access to power, the Guptas, for example. Um, you know, with a number of companies linked to them coming up and being assisted by what we now call um, um, uh, uh, enablers in, in, of, of state capture at Transnet, at ESCOM. In this, for me, what this case represents, uh, and we hope once again that the NPA has its ducks on the row. Um, um, well, that's what I wanted to <clears throat> ask about, um, I think you are right in terms of the big picture. There's a tragedy initially, but at the same time, if you think about people who have agency, who are highly intelligent, if he was black excellence authentically and not fooling us, then it means that he He either did or ought to have known better. And therefore, there should be a limit to one's empathy. But let's get back to the core story from an empirical evidence point of view, uh, Sabelo. Do we know anything about the quality of the case that the NPA has. The last thing we want is the performance of there being movement for the sake of the NPA responding to public pressure, political pressure for the ANC-led government ahead of 2024. And then lo and behold, as we've sometimes seen in the free state, a case collapses. Yeah. Mm. Look, I think uh they I think they learned from the free state case. You know, and I mean, I'll digress a little bit and I'll cite, if you look at how they are, they are putting together the VBS one, 
Um, you look at, you know, the fact that there were arrests initially, you know, then there were more arrests and there were more arrests. But what sort of gave us an idea of where they are going is when they then, at the first appearance, I think it was our second or third appearance, mm. it became very clear that they had managed to turn a critical individual um, in the CFO of, of VBS Bank, the former CFO, Philip Trotter, um, to becoming a state's witness. He was then, you know, quickly sentenced and is now, you know, beginning his own sentence. But what is what they've been able to do is unlock critical information um, that allows them now to go for the bigger fish, um, so to speak. And I think, you know, the way that they've conducted this particular transit investigation is exactly the same for me. Um, although they're not telling us here that, you know, this is what we've been able to establish about Mr. Mulefe and Mr. Singh um, beyond what we had heard at the, at, at the Zondo Commission for instance, or beyond what is known in the various forensic investigations that are out there. Um, but mm. for me, it indicates that they are obviously talking to the people that they'd already arraigned um, and they're yeah. probably getting critical information related to this case. If they are not, I hope that they are listening here and they will start doing something <laughs> similar to that. Um, but I mean, I, I just, I think before I end off, I wanted to weigh in on the Brian Mulefa thing. You know, I don't think mm. Brian Mulefa is a tragedy. Um, I actually think that, you know, for me, it it's a fantastic development. Um, in terms of the fight against corruption and state capture in mm. this country. You know, of the two developments this week, one was the announcement of the Anti-Corruption Advisory Committee or Council or, or whatever those group of people are going to call themselves. And then the other one was the arrests. The big one for me that moves the ticker is the arrests more than the actual formation of that council. Because we've always known what the problems are. Mm. And we've always known that these guys are culprits, right? But there were not, there were there was no one that wanted to do this. Now there's suddenly political, um, you know, will to do these things. I don't know what Palapala has to do with it, but I suspect that, yeah. you know, a certain president is finding himself at a point where now these things have to move. But Brian was never a tragedy to me, you see. Mm -hmm. The thing about Brian has always been an establishment guy. You know, um, sure. he's a young black man that was taken from South Africa, was given the privilege of getting educated in Europe. Um, and with the thought that he was going to come back and basically be the backbone of this new black civil service. <laughs> now, this new black mm. civil service was supposed to then have at its core a sort of um, how can I, how can I find a word for this? But they were going to be a progressive civil service, right? They were not. They were going to make sure that they are changing everything in the state. But you look at yeah. how this guy elevated from national treasury to mm. the PIC, and it then becomes, he goes and joins investing. Transformation. You know, he, he's That's always right. been an establishment person. Mm. Mm. You know, yeah. it's just that when he was at Transnet, the establishment obviously was Gupta. Mm. You know, so he was benefiting them. Before that, he was just shouting the odds at the PIC for transformation. Because if you look at where the PIC money was going, it was still going to establish fund managers. You know, I think that's right. they did yeah. nothing at all for black excellence. Yeah. I also want to digress on that before we go to the second last topic. And um, time flies when I'm having fun with you too. Um, part of the reason why that particular line from Kaifas's column triggered thoughts in me, and I, I might write about this in my next piece. It's not what he meant or intended, but I but I think it's an opportunity to deliberately talk about the following point. We mustn't reproduce as Black people the very thing we hate about how Black people are often spoken about in 
unconscious biases. We often complain that one of the annoying things if you're a black person in a senior or prominent position is that you become a placeholder for all black people. So suddenly we bite our nails when Serena Williams is playing because whatever she does represents black people. She's not an individual, but white people are evaluated as individuals. Now, if we want to invert that so that an individual black person's mistakes are not seen as a slight against the entire black demographic, then we ourselves as black people mustn't do the very thing that we that we don't like some white persons doing. And when we cry with and for Brian Moleffer and says that this is a fall of black excellence and it's such a pity because he is just confirming the stereotype that some people have about black people, we are actually inadvertently doing the same bloody thing. Why can't we just write the Brian story as a story about Brian? as opposed to a story about black excellence. You know what I mean? So that for me is also partly what annoys me about, yeah, it's great that you want to bring complexity to Brian the individual, but no one is writing a column saying that I know she's letting down people of Indian descent. descent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I mean, it, it, it's a great point, Eusebius. And for me, it's a great point. how I always draw the distinction, right, <clears throat> is that there are people who devote their careers um, if, if 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 it is to champion transformation, then that's what they do. Yeah. They are known for that, you know. And I think the point that I was making and what you're making here is that let's not try and make Brian be about, um, you know, advancing the cause of 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 black people in South Africa. Um, his cause has always been about advancing um, his wallet and you know his pocket. Um, and let's look at him in that. Well, he claims to be poor now. <laughs> well, yeah, I was about to say that. I mean, this is this guy says he's got nothing and his mother is sick. Um, <laughs> you know, he takes care of his mother. So for me, Eusebius, just a quick one on, 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 on that on that point. And I, I do get that, you know, people must be held accountable as individuals. Where I was um, actually more concerned for me is people being entrusted with uh, transformation. Uh, the same mm. people they claim to represent, by the way, which is something that I've constantly mm. said to uh, the leaders of the ANC. Yes, but you actually working against the same people that you claim to represent, um, um, uh, represent and you're supposed to advance their interests, yeah. but you work against them. And for me, this is what actually Brian Molefe, um, uh, are not saying, uh, Gamma actually did, um, you know, with, 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 with their participation in the collapsing of uh, state owned, uh, entities. Yeah. No, I think that's absolutely spot on. Second last story. This, I mean, I, I did a podcast on this last week, but the story is not going away because I think it's on its own terms important and interesting. And it is a story through which other layers in society must be engaged. And that is, of course, the reported rent of the health MEC in Limpopo at a foreigner that is a patient in one of the public health facilities. The country seems to be divided on whether, notwithstanding obvious criticisms, the wrong time and place, what about her own Hippocratic oath as a medical doctor, whether one could extract something out of that lament about the pressure on the public health system that is legitimate, both as journalists and as South Africans. Um, how do you see it? 
it's treating the for me uh, my the problem with that is treating the symptoms um it, it and, and it it's been a, a an issue for me Eusebius, the issue of uh, immigration etc um that is at the heart of um, um, um the the medical problem um and Everyone just talks about um, the symptoms. Nobody is actually dealing with the causes of um, these. Um, you know, it has been many years coming, and I think we were still at university at uh, that time, um, you know, even in politics, talking about the disaster that is happening uh, in Zimbabwe. So That's we, right, we yeah. actually yeah. let, um, as SADC, in fact, SADC and South Africa actively participated um, um, uh, in, in the demise of uh, Zimbabwe, and we sh- the South African government should have anticipated that we, as much as uh, what the quiet diplomacy that it said it was um, uh, 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 deploying at that time was going to come back and bite us in years to come. But that does Spot not on. seem to be uh, the way um, 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 uh, our government uh, deals with things. They deal with things uh, in a reactionary manner. They never plan for the future. So at this juncture, our government is the one to actually blame for uh, the chaos that is actually happening because you can't blame mm. Zimbabweans for crossing over to to South Africa illegally so um, as well the problem is that their country is is is, is unstable they struggling to get just basics bread petrol etc and you know <laughs> and you participated in actually creating the situation which was uh, Zan, uh, being in bed with, with ZANU-PF. Um, mm. So we never actually created a situation that is going to prevent uh, illegal immigration into the country. Yes, of course, mm. we can make as much noise as we want. Um, and it's not right, of course, for people to come into a country illegally. But uh, for mm. me, that uh, MEC was out of order in addressing a, a an issue uh, to that patient in Instead of addressing the matter. Sabella, do you agree? I mean, I thought the Sunday Times of the mm. past weekend, I obviously am biased because it's in our stable, <laughs> but I generally think it was an excellent edition because what it did, notwithstanding what Tanutolo is saying, and I agree with Tanutolo uh, politically, but I thought what was good about the Sunday Times is that we got hard evidence, notwithstanding the ways in which we can legitimately critique the political principles at the top, of the rants and sense and operational challenges for administrators when they are unable to plan because of unexpected patients from neighboring countries that you had not budgeted for, down to proof in the ledger. This is the cost of this operation. And they gave us a false name of where they live. We can't get the money back. So there's that element. And then there's the front page headline where the political principle is on some, I'm speaking for 91%, mm. no. obviously implying that the three <laughs> of us mm. are a part of it. You know, part of the middle class suburbanites who are liberal and not understanding what people living in Yeovil go through. How, how do you see it? But you know, UCBS, for me, actually, when she says that, for me, I remember my initial instinct when I saw that video. I was like, what? And 
what an elitist, right? And I think for me, that's what the ANC has become. You've got this bunch of wealthy black mm. people who think that just because they still go to Soweto, to Vilagazi Street, or to Shafpozi, or to go and buy Mukhodu somewhere in a township, that they still understand <laughs> um, what poverty is like. And for me, it was like you could have taken that lady from Zimbabwe and you could have replaced her with a lady from Ekombolo, it's almost in the Eastern Cape. She would have treated. She would have been treated just as badly and as deploringly because that is what our civil service is. You've got a bunch of people who are overpaid, uh, who live too well, who live off the private excesses in South Africa. They have private security. They have medical aid. They go. They send their kids to private schools, um, and yet they want to go and tell poor black people about their existence. They have created an enemy for black people in South Africa. Um, being, you know, people that are from another country, from other countries, um, black foreigners from Africa. As soon as those people are, are, are either um, regularized, um, they've got papers, or they go back to their countries, South Africans' problems that are poor are not going to end, you see, because in fact, they are going to find 100%. a new enemy. You know, maybe the new enemy will be, it's the Corsas from the Eastern Cape. Uh, that are keeping you out of work in Johannesburg. Mm. You know, or it's the vendors from, from Limpopo. You know, those ones are highly educated and they're very and corrupt in the state. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Real slippery yeah. slope. That's where yeah. we it's can like one go. Of our, one of our media peers is Kosa being berated by someone from one of the Zulu royal household um, and being told, go back to the Eastern Cape while yeah. doing yeah. your duty as a journalist. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So the slippery slope is real. It's is not there? just... Uh, a fantasy. I really love what you've said. I have similar beef with the ANC and a slightly, in addition to what you were saying, cynical take on this. My view is that some of these ANC politicians are intentionally weaponizing anti-foreigner sentiment yeah, amongst absolutely. poor black South Africans. It is scoundrels who are clinging on to a narrative for why the state is what it is yeah. and running away from the reality of state capture and the ANC's role mm-hmm. in the making of yeah. a broken education, public, public health, and across other parts of the state, systems that are no longer functioning. Yeah. Mm. And that scapegoating is working. But you know what surprises me? So I want to know whether you agree with me that that's the game the ANC is playing. But if it is the game that they're playing, it really shocks me how many South Africans, black and white, poor and rich, are falling for it. Yeah, yeah. It <laughs> seems anecdotally <laughs> like the overlapping consensus between us three, even if we're to have this conversation in the whole of arena, we may well be in a minority. It seems like so many people with multiple degrees, professionals, high IQs, are falling for the BS from the from the ANC, and all the yeah. ANC is doing is to deflect from examining its record, and and, and they're doing it so well, uh, um, you know, for popularity's sake. Um, and the reason I think you say yes, they 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 are succeeding, and why we we are boring um, when we actually say, hang on, but it is the ANC's fault that we are here. Um, let's look at these years, how many corruption stories, corruption cases that have gone nowhere, by the way, um, and um, um, you know who actually stole uh, money from the health system, from the education system. It's people. Linked to the ANC, it's people in government. Absolutely, um, 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 we become boring uh, because people want to see uh, a face. Uh, 
uh, in terms of an enemy and someone to blame. Yeah. Here, how it works yeah. also, uh, Eusebius, it used to work uh, for the ANC uh, from 1994. Let me not say just from 1994. Uh, you know, uh, historically, it used to work uh, because we had a face and their face was a white person. A white person was our enemy in this country because, yes, they represent, uh, you know, apartheid, etc., etc. Right. Uh, but that song soon became um, tired because people could see, you know, uh, way uh, past that uh, in the fact that, no, but it's been years that uh, that you've been in government uh, and money is going missing. Services are, are, are actually absolutely horrendous. Um, they're just atrocious. Um, and this is caused by you as the ANC. And now the focus has been on the ANC. The focus has been on corruption. And with all these frustrations, uh, people tend to also forget uh, the cause, uh, because with time, the narrative changes so quickly, especially in South Africa. There are so many things that are happening uh, at the same time. And right now, for the past, I don't know, uh, probably 10 years, we have been looking at uh, the rest of the African continent, um, uh, our brothers and sisters, as actually now the enemy, because the other enemy has gone uh, in the background. We don't see the a, a white person anymore as a, as a as an enemy and it's not working for the ANC. They needed to find the enemy. And also uh, other political parties, they then started um, using that. The Gaten McKenzie's um, uh, action essay started yeah. using that for popularity. And because the majority of this country are unemployed, desperate, looking for something to hold on to. And then you also have the middle class that is constantly squeezed Actually, by yeah. the corrupt government, they try to find somebody yeah. to blame yeah. as to, to blame. why am I paying yeah. so much? And but why is my road so horrible? Yeah. Uh, and you know, I'm not getting any services. So yeah. I think that is how the narrative yeah. has actually um, uh, uh, succeeded. I think it's fear. this point. I think it's fear. Fear. Yeah. You know, I think it's fear. I think, I think like we were afraid of facing up to the truth. Um, and I think it's easier to sort of blame, you know, this sort of third force, because if we then realize that the ANC is the one that's failing us, um, what's our next step? You know, I think yeah. for me, for a lot of people in townships, even though they can see that my counselor is invisible, um, when it comes to blame, they would first go and blame an official inside council. Um, you know, before they would fight, unless, of course, it's a factional fight mm. and they are being whipped up against this specific person. Um, but I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that people are feeling powerless and they're feeling like, you know, they can't touch um, the real cause of their problems. So if they get given the scapegoat, then they can go for them. Yeah. I'm going to leave out the last news item that I wanted us to discuss and jump to what you've just said. What I was going to say we should discuss is the president's performance yesterday answering questions, especially on Palapala Pala as a hook through which to discuss his leadership. Um, and I'm just going to give a view unargued for, which we can debate the next time we come together. I think that his leadership, we also are scared of facing up to this fact, in my opinion, <laughs> is that he's turned out to be at best pedestrian. Yeah. Yeah. He's the worst president he, we've had. He is someone who uses a lot of words without actually communicating. So when you say, I'm ready to take the nation 
into confidence. And then you end the discussion. You haven't actually done it. No. I mean, it's the most appalling thing. It's like saying, I intend to be a nice person and then actually not being nice. Like yeah. you then got to do the thing yeah. that you yeah. say that you're prepared to do. <laughs> yeah. So I think the lack of leadership, excellence right at the top, doesn't help us to cut across all of the themes we've discussed. But then it does raise this question, which is how we left our discussion the last time. And it, people enjoyed our discussion, but I think they felt depressed. What happens if we are not scared and we face up to the ANC having had a moral implosion, a technocratic implosion of the state because of its moral implosion? What happens next? I think, UCBS, what happens next on immigration for me, for instance, um, is that you will then get people in there who will realize that the point is not to create new law, new legislation. The point is to implement. You would go on a huge drive to actually count everyone that is in the country, um, everyone that is here on a special permit, um, all, all really? the Zimbabweans that are on. Yes. I mean, I think those... I, who? I, I suppose you have in mind Julius, John, <laughs> Gaten, Herman, Helen? You know, Eusebius, I, and I mean, yo, yeah, I'm going to be, I'm going to get it for, for what I'm about to say now. Uh, but I think whether we like it or not, um, what is happening down in the Western Cape uh, is making a lot of sense. Um, I think both at, you know, uh, just at a, an administrative level, you know, and I do agree with the people that say that it doesn't play out uh, in the townships as much as it plays out in the suburbs. But I think sure. even as a government that's trying at that level, they're doing much more than what the ANC is doing in any township in South Africa. In fact, I dare any ANC leader to take me to any township in South Africa that they can take and compare to a township <laughs> in the Western Cape. And they say okay, that that township is getting better. Do you agree that as a first step, obviously it's difficult to, to imagine who the end game is and who, who will rescue us and what that looks like. Sabelo, you can come you can come back in. Um, my apologies for interrupting you, but I wanted to ask Tanutolo whether he agrees that the first part of the solution space, even though the rest of the space must still be filled out, and that's a difficult question, the first part of the solution is anything but the ANC. Do you agree with that? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> uh, you, you see, for me, uh, Eusebius, uh, right now I say, um, um, you know, let's. there's nobody coming to save us, right? So come what may, let's try a new thing. We don't know where, where it's going to take us. Um, I see the future here with South Africans actually just taking charge of their own lives. I don't know what um, 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 a government of a coalition is going to look like um, at all. We don't know if it's going to work at national level because already it's not working at uh, local, uh, at local uh, level. But what I know for a fact, you cannot keep on beating the same drum uh, and expecting different, you know, sounds and uh, results uh, here when it comes to uh, the government that we've had. It, it has been absolutely appalling. And what you said earlier on about the style of this uh, president that we've got, it actually explains what we are going to experience um, um, in the next years to come. Uh, already we've chosen, uh, you know, 
<laughs> the best amongst the worst uh, people, uh, you know. <laughs> no, but there is no, but I think guys, he's guys, not really the best. No, but I think uh, guys, you know, but we can live with him. And then now they're juggling around to say, oh, okay, maybe Didi, maybe maybe Paul, maybe the point is, we can't. And I trust. think it's turned out to be a pedestrian. It, it's Even pedestrian. We can't. We can't. We can't trust any now, of them. Now punting <laughs> songezo. <laughs> <laughs> we can't trust any of them anymore. So yeah. come what may, let's see. I mean, where this train leads us, I actually don't know what's there for the yeah. future. But we cannot continue either. the same yeah. way. I actually think. I actually think hope for South Africa lies in the local context. Um, I think that when we see what will. I've got no hope for 2024. So I think I've already written 2024 off. I'm even, I don't even know where I'm going to vote. I might actually just spoil my vote. I know that's a bad a thing of, to a say. A lot of people are saying uh, that to but me, I mean, including on the political yeah. beat amongst our peers in the industry. Yeah, that's the level at which I've written 2024 off for me. But I think what what must happen and what will happen, I think, is in the local context, there are going to be more and more players mm-hmm. uh, that are going to come up there in the form of, you know, um, independents that are going to, you know, I mean, an example would be the guy um, in Queenstown. He'll have to forgive me. I've forgotten his name. Um, I think he owns the the, 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 the drinks brand Twizzer. Um, and okay. he ran he ran in the last local government elections. I think what he was talking about was very practical for me um, and the sort of um, groundswell support that he had was a good mix. He's an elderly white gentleman but he was getting support I think from everyone who's frustrated with the ANC mm-hmm. in Queenstown. Mm-hmm. So I think for me that's where this is going. Um, I okay. think the more of that we see, um, the more hope there is for South Africa. I think people like um, Balintu, Makashu Lekana, um, and those excellent leaders who've left the DA. Just as a sidebar question for you, because I think you're the least, you share our, our diagnostic, but you are the least skeptical about the potential for where we might find productive ways forward. When you say you've written off 2024, but beyond that, you can imagine places where we might dig for better leadership, particularly in a decentralized manner. Um, out of interest, just uh, on a time question, do you think we have enough time to play with as a country? HGCBS, we didn't have enough time in 2017, honestly. Um, but I mean, do we have a choice, right? I mean, some of us who are lucky enough will obviously be able to leave South Africa. I think for the rest of us, um, we sure. will be singing as the ship is sinking, you know, someone will be playing the piano. So I think, <laughs> but I think there is enough time to sort to turn it around. You know, I don't think South Africa's goodwill is gone. Um, although yeah. I do think that Cyril Ramaphosa is doing his best to make sure that by the time he leaves office, um, South Africa will not only be a broken state, but will also be a pariah state. Um, because of yeah, just his I lack agree. of leadership. Yeah, I agree. But I think yeah. um, there's enough time, I think, for us because I think the right conversations are happening. You mentioned Songezo mm-hmm. earlier. I think he's adding, I think, quite a lot of value at the moment. Um, there are other voices for me that are just, you know, making us think about things in a different way. And I think once we sort of see what these other young leaders are going to do, even within the ANC, by the way, I think there's one mm-hmm. or two guys that were speaking quite a lot of sense. Um, I like what mm-hmm. I hear from Nongaba in the ANC Youth League, um, and I like mm-hmm. what Zuko Kotlimbi was saying to the elders there when they had the policy conference. Um, they were very honest about 
about what the ANC is. Um, and I like what Crispin Piri also says, by the way. I mean, when he took Tony, Tony Yang and you're on, sure. um, when yeah, there were, yeah. you know, that other TV show, he was excellent. And his diagnosis, yes, but also I think yeah. his view as a young man in the yeah. ANC gave me hope. You know? Yeah, my concern is twofold, that civil society is expected to carry the can for the state. Yeah. And even if we talk about, say, Ravonia Circle, even if we talk about excellent media organizations as a check and balance over the executive when parliament is weak because of ANC backbenchers, even if we talk about Chapter 9 institutions, excellent legal activism, Helen Susman Foundation, legal resource centers, KSEC, et cetera, et cetera, it all stacks up. But they need money. They need funding. They also need a state that won't repress them through its monopoly on force. And for me, the only way you can really, really fundamentally change society is to capture political power, because then you have access to lawmaking, policy formation, and tax collection, and also the security apparatus. So I, I often wonder whether the strategic emphasis on non-state actors like civil society organizations being the ones that will save us or keep at bay the implosion of our democracy is, is unfair and unrealistic. We have to contest within the state and unless and until someone does that successfully as an alternative to the ANC behemoth, I think our democracy will, will always be precarious. Or are you less skeptical? No, absolutely, Eusebius. I've actually, uh, in my view, believed that, I mean, the non-state um, uh, actors, uh, civil society, needs to be stronger in South Africa. Um, yeah, and, you know, for many years, this is why I, it, 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 I think we got to this point uh, of um, um, uh, implosion and, um, you know, um, 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 a state that is actually just a failed state. It's because civil society for many years uh, sat back and let, uh, you know, the politicians uh, play the game. Um, 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 hoping that they will do the right thing because they had been singing the right, um, you know, notes uh, when they were in exile, when they started to be in government, etc., etc. And there was a lot of, um, I mean, uh, civic organizations such as Sanko, they even uh, ended, you know, because they believed that we've got the right government in, in power. Um, and that taught us that actually uh, we need to have civil society that actually captures um, um, uh, the state in terms of policymaking, in terms of holding the state accountable. Um, you know, the past few years, what they have also taught me uh, with uh, the year of state capture without credible journalism without credible civil uh, civil society this country would have collapsed we, there's a lot of uh, things that we would have not known Absolutely. they would have stripped this con uh, country uh, to pieces um, so i actually believe in 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 in, in that uh, because you still have uh, you know the extremists which actually scare me uh, the 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 guys in the red uh, berets um, who also talk uh, in, 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 in a manner that uh, mm. gives no hope uh, but uh, use uh, the masses as their um, uh, shields to actually get what they, they actually 100%. want. So for me, I mean, we need a strong uh, civic organization. I love engaging you guys, love your work. I know you've got a lot on your plate. 
but I think we must lobby for you to have your own column regularly in the Times, um, so you can write outside the bounds of <laughs> news anal- analysis <laughs> and reporting. You don't think, um, you don't but in the meantime, there's audio enough. journalism. <laughs> In the meantime, there's audio journalism, which is also a different way of reaching our readers. And I really appreciate your guys coming on uh, to discuss the significance of these news events. They matter materially. Uh, Tadut Kolo and Sabelo, thanks so much for coming on UCBS on Times Live. Thank you so much, sir.